Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. These pounds, no. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Sheologians. We are we are here to put the her and Hera. Hera, she's a Greek goddess, and oh, Hera, Hera, her, Hera, Hera. I don't even know, but um, I just thought it was interesting. That the meaning of the word is diamond, and it made me think of you, because you're like a diamond in the rough. Oh, of apologies. To you. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know where this is going. It's that's going nowhere. That was just. I was like, are there any hers? You know, the funny thing is, whenever I go to write my her for the week, mm. the only word, the first word that always comes to my mind is hermaphrodite. Oh. And then I think Hermaphrodite. Was that a Greek goddess? Aphrodite. Aphrodite. Hermaphrodite. <laughs> That's what happens in my head. So. Hermaphrodite. Hermaphrodite. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. Anyway, my name is Summer, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I just want you to know that I packed... A dress to wear to your bridal shower this weekend. Oh. And I don't know if I can actually wear it because <laughs> it's a dress and that's very awkward and I want to have a good time. <laughs> but I did <laughs> pack a dress. <laughs> so, like, there's a pause, there's like a 50% you might chance. see me in what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> or I might be wearing a dress. <laughs> I want to know, like, what the the process, like, mm-hmm. I want to know what you're imagining mm-hmm. when you say that it would be awkward. <laughs> what I'm imagining is you, like, walking in <laughs> to the shower uh-huh. and being like, uh, that and everyone be- being like, oh, that is ex- weird. That is exactly weird. That is exactly how I And then, then you just like staying in the bathroom the rest of the time. 100%. <laughs> Will I have to leave? I like, feel- <laughs> what's going to happen? Get out of here. <laughs> Summer, would you quit it with your dresses? It's making everyone weird. <laughs> 100% how that's just how we head. make things that's how we like catastrophize things I know I know people are gonna be like whoa you're wearing a dress because no one's ever seen me in a dress um when I go to uh like go through security yeah at the airport like I need to have all my things like my boarding pass right. and ID and everything <clears throat> like that yes and I have this this same sort of <laughs> fear rejection yes. anxiety, yes. which is that like I'll do it wrong. They'll just be like, "Go home. Your vacation's canceled. <laughs> yes. Your trip. Yes. You're not going on it anymore. You I don't know. deserve it. I know. Just get out of the airport. 
Your this doc- is pre-screening, your documents- and you're not even allowed to go through security. Your documents are not organized correctly, <laughs> so go away. Right. Yes, that's how I feel, but I was like, this <laughs> this, this is such a big deal. I'm going to wear a dress, and then the whole <laughs> drive this morning down here, I was like, why did I do this? Why didn't I bring a backup? What's going to happen? Why? Well, I'm excited to see you in your dress. Oh, no, that's so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope I can find some way to make it awkward. <laughs> It'll just be, uh, it's already awkward. I'll just be, it's awkward when you walk right in, now. I'll just be like, <sighs> summer dress. Way to make things weird. <laughs> I know it was a perfectly nice bridal shower. <laughs> then you and showed up. it was up. all normal. And then Summer walked in with her dress. <laughs> it's just a very plain dress, too. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how it goes. I'll I tell you guys. If, like, mm. wow. I wonder if awkward. I don't know. Like, do you think that there were women in the past uh-huh. that thought, like, surely they had all these weird anxieties too? Sure, everyone has weird anxieties. I mean, I know that it was like, like in terms of their dress, that was more of just like a cultural thing. Like, it would have been really inappropriate to show up in a certain type of clothing, right? But do you think they're ever just like? Oh, gosh, isn't this dress like a little bit too bright? Oh, (laughs) I think in the past there were all kinds of like societal expectations of like properness that we don't have anymore. I don't even know if properness is a word. (laughs) And but do you think so outside of like societal rules? Yeah. Do you think they were just like, hmm, (laughs) how's it going to be if I show up to that thing? They were probably so busy they didn't have time for that because they had to like like, can their own tomatoes showing up anything they were like yeah i have to run this entire house and fight. yeah i have to live through the win- everyone winter. in the history of the world was canning and working on a farm that's it and have a good week <laughs> um but you're right i don't even know how far i got into my part of this i don't even think you said i'm Am I here right now are we talking yeah. in the microphones it's really hot in here i'm sweating i can turn the um ac down I almost just went and did it, but we're in the middle of a show. So if everybody could hold on real quick. <laughs> yeah, Joy's going to walk away for a second. Um, but you're right. I am Joy, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host. Co-host. Um, yep, you are here, I promise. With, I said that a little bit weird, right? It almost sounded like co-ghost. Oh. But but we're alive. Yeah, so. we are alive, and we don't believe in ghosts. Right. Um. And Summer, I just want you to know, I don't even know where I'm at. Beautiful co-host, Summer. Thank you. Yes, that's me. Summer, I want you to know uh-huh. that I wish you had been my teacher growing up. <laughs> I mean, not more. I don't wish it more than the actual sure. reality that occurred because yeah. I prefer this. Right. So if it was a toss up between you being my teacher growing up. There's one option. And having a podcast okay. together and being friends and being the same age. Right. Okay. Now that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why though? I just feel like you would have been a good teacher. You would I don't have, like, know. You would have made me. You would Ask have expected excellence. <laughs> you would have expected excellence. And I would have made you diagram sentences. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I would have done. Yep. And then I would have been like, is this the best you can do? Right. No, I wouldn't do that. And then when it came to Common Core, you'd be like, shh, don't tell anyone, but we're doing it the whole day. 
Yes, that is Not absolutely that I did four when I was growing absolutely up, but... the truth. Like, go <laughs> ahead and just add the numbers together. Don't draw me an artscape of boxes to figure this problem out because I promise that seven plus three is ten. Like, just write it. It's I was fine. really hoping you were not going to say 10. I definitely. I <laughs> that 7 plus 3 is 13. <laughs> I definitely did the math several times in my head before I said it. I was like, I hope this is right. This is right, right? 7, 3, 7, 8, 9. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Shit Legends. Where the. How long has this been where so the, far? Where the puns are made up and the jokes don't matter. And we never stop talking. <laughs> Until we do. Um, no, I'm super excited about this interview um, because I'm super excited about this book and I actually cannot recommend it to you enough. If you are a female with a heartbeat and a couple bucks so to spare, so not a ghost. Ghosts need not um, fly. This book is for you. Like, just get it, read it. Um, if you know a millennial, buy it for them. If you know a teenager that can read, buy it for them. Um, this is super important. <laughs> there are some teenagers that can't you read. Know There's some teenagers that can't read. Don't be so judgmental. We just wanted to be inclusive here. <laughs> I mean, kind of not really. These books are only for people who can read. I'm sorry. I know that seems a little insensitive. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Sheila Jones is very diverse. You're 29. I'm 29. You wear glasses. I wear glasses. I mean, we meet all of the quotes. <laughs> anyway. can both read all My girl, Rachel, wrote this book, and we've had her on the show before. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's also written two other books that were uh, really amazing about motherhood that were very helpful to me. Before I even knew how much I needed to read them. It's really weird that I have my back to you. Anyway, <laughs> we have with us again, Rachel Jankovic. Ra Rachel, actually, can you just tell me once and for all how to say your last name? <laughs> Jankovic. You did it right. I did it right. Jankovic. Yay. Okay. Because um, I have a bunch of Bosnian friends whose names end mm -hmm. in V-I-C, and all of them say itch, not ick. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. okay. Now and I've actually, even Siri corrects us if you say call Luke Jankovic. They'll say calling Luke Yankovic. Like, but, <laughs> like always wanting us to be more snobby about the pronunciation. Right. We are. <laughs> Siri's like, could you just pronounce your last name right? Please? Yeah, but most people, most people here call us the Jank. So we kind of just shortcut. Well, I'm name. for sure. Go by the Jank. I do not want to introduce you as Rachel Jank. <laughs> They'll never find you. They'll be like, what is All right, this? Well, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Jankovic. Well, thanks for joining us again. I don't even, I've lost count. This is our second, third, 18th time. I don't know. How many books has she written? Right, right, whatever. I don't know either. <laughs> okay, so you, um, you let us read your new book and we both really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And we have been talking about the topic of identity since, well, we kicked off January um, this year by talking to Rosaria Butterfield about it because it really does seem to be like one of the issues facing the church today, um, without a doubt. Like it's, it's the issue and everybody wants to talk about it. Um, and I really appreciated your book because I felt, I felt like it cut through, it's kind of what I've been waiting to hear people say 
someone, anyone say about identity. <laughs> um, but let's let's back up a little bit. And um, you you agreed with me when I said this is the issue facing us. So why do you agree with that? Why did you write the book? I yeah, identity is a huge issue in the church today, and I think just from our cultural landscape, the politics of identity, whether it's race or sexual identity or um, minority groups, you know, all of the different things, all of the different kinds of victims and all of these things, they're all connected to identity issues and who you think you are, what you think is the foundation of what makes you you, you know, like all of those things. And I really think that what's happening is that our culture today, we're just harvesting the identity problems that were sown a generation before, you know, and I think right. many Christians don't know how to process how is this happening? You know, like, where is this coming from? And um, I've been quoting this a lot lately, but somebody said, somebody told me this about a guy who was a counterfeiter and that he later when he was working to catch people who were counterfeiting, he said the best way to recognize a counterfeit is to handle lots and lots of real money. Correct. And yes. Which you think is just so great, but then you think, but so many Christians have never handled the real money of your identity in Christ. And they don't understand, you know, they just don't recognize the counterfeits. They don't recognize the frauds that come through and they don't know how to process, it. you know, like how do I process who I am? And, and it's not, even though it's a philosophical problem, um, kind of, you know, it is incredibly practical because it, it is in all the time in your life, you make decisions based on who you think you are. Right. You know, like that, that's like, it, 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 you need to know, like, it's not just a, um, it's not just kind of an imaginary thought experiment. You know, it, it comes up all the time in, in real life. And that's what we're facing with the world is, is it coming up in real life, what they believe foundationally about who they are and what humanity is for. It's the point the whole thing. So right. uh, I think Christians just need to get a real handle on it so that they can both recognize the counterfeits and not be taken in by it, but also so they can understand what's going on to the people who are being uh, lied to and being deceived. Right. So you, and you talked about in your book, kind of just up front, um, some of the givens that are, that exist in our culture. Like we, we take this as a given. We haven't even traced this kind of thinking back to where it came from. Um, so you talked a lot about right. the the existentialist viewpoint and how it impacts us mm -hmm. practically. Can you give us a, a, a scenario where you would say, okay, this person is essentially making decisions based on a existentialist presupposition? Right. Um, well, because we're down the line, I think that we are impacted both by kind of the pure existentialist thought, but more of it is just the impact of it through generations of people doing it. You know, so I'm sure, I'm sure that if Sartre could be here to argue with us, he'd say that's not what I'm saying. You know, but it was still his impact. <laughs> right. Right. You know, it was still his impact and thought that got us here. If that makes sense. So yeah. um, one of the big things, the idea behind the existentialism is that you, um, it was kind of like first you, you, it's like your <laughs> essence is, does not happen. Like existence precedes essence, which means that you can exist without really having come into yourself. 
you know, like you can. Um, and so his whole thing was kind of like, you need to uh, basically action is what defines you. You know, like it's the whole thing. Basically, he's the father of self-help. He's the father of the idea that you get to decide who you are, you know, like that this is going to be what I'm going to do. Um, and many people have been sucked into that. And it is, it is still like one of the things I would say today that you might see around would be uh, little Pinterest boards that say Christian women have little Pinterest boards of cute ideas for, um, what is it called? Like vision boards for mm-hmm. yourself. Yes. Right. Like, yes, where you, you craft a vision board and the idea, like there's obviously a spectrum, you know, like have a goal to do something. It might be nice to have a visual reminder to, to remind yourself. Sure. You know what I mean, like, just yeah. something to be like, oh, right. I meant to do that. Right. So it, it plays off of something that is true and natural and fine. But then on the other end of the spectrum, we have people thinking that you can create who you are by like deciding it. Right. You know, like, I'm going to be this kind of a person or I'm going to end in the fruitier side of that kind of vision board thing is all the way into like you are self-actualizing as you do this. You know, like right. when you make this board or this book or whatever, you are making yourself into the person that you want to be. Right. You know, like, yeah. And, and while that that's just the kind of thing that maybe most Christian women aren't going to go hardcore into the like real tutti fruity stuff, which is, you know, the, um, the, the far end of the self-actualizing spectrum. But how much we've been affected by that is like, just go to any dumb, I'm like, think of probably Target or TJ Maxx or Marshalls or any of those places. Go look at what are like the journals? What do they all say? Right. Yes. You know, like, it'll be like <laughs> on the front, like, like it's all in like, you know, believe in yourself and you can be anything. And like, make it happen or believe it and it will be real. You know, like just, yes. just all these little trite things. So on the one hand, you're like, yeah, but who's really, who really picks up the journal? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> I'll do I mean, who's really affected by that? And, and, but the reality is the whole culture is affected by that. That's why it made it to the dumb journal, you know, like, right. That's why it made it there is that these are cultural cliches. Like we believe you can, decide to be something and kind of just make it happen through the power of your own will. Yes. Well, I'm running into that big time right now in responding to Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face, because her entire book is basically just the, those different journal covers, you know, um, self, (laughs) self, self actualization. And 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 it gets so tragic when it, when it is, it's one thing to be like, be fun. You know, be be cheerful or something like that is a completely different thing than when you take it into you can be holy by just deciding you are. Like by right. just deciding that you're forgiven without asking God to forgive you. You know, or like you can just be justified. Right. <laughs> like, right. So uh, would you say yeah, would like, right? And so would you because the the pushback that a lot of the women who don't understand why I am not a fan of the book is um, there seems to be a divorcing of, well, this is good advice. It doesn't have to be Christian to be good advice. Like you should, you know, right. you should have goals. So yeah. it doesn't matter. 
Drink water. You have to be a Christian to admonish people to drink a lot of water. But, no, it's fine. Right. Right. It's good advice. Right. Yeah. So how how would you say that's just dis- it's distinctly unchristian? How is it distinctly that? Okay. Well, a big a big part of it would be the core. When when you get to uh, like the core of what you exist for, why you're here, that is that is what Christianity is all about, right? <laughs> like who made you? What are we for? Who do we answer to? Um, those, We're supposed like, to be getting that right. One of the things like right. believe in yourself is like we cannot forget that that like just because it sounds like it it isn't a big deal, that is in fundamental opposition to the Christian faith, which says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and that he rose from the dead. Like and then you'll be saved. And it's really nothing about you. Right. You know, like like it's really not about believing that you have the power to overcome any obstacles like that will never save you just right it won't and so that's what i mean by it being a counterfeit is that it's easy to be like sure believe that you can be tough or believe you know it's like this is why it passes as real money sometimes right because it's so marginally uh not you know it's like well that's okay you know like it's not so bad to say do this but but it, it creeps its way in until it has really really messed us up Right. Well, and, you know, the thing, too, and that was um, it was Frank Abagnale that said that mm-hmm. um, he's I'm, I love that he's, Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, what's um, funny as I think I'm like, it was somebody is it about a real story? It is. It's a real story. But obviously the movie was very dramatized. So the movie yeah, was and I never saw and I never saw the movie. But <laughs> someone told me about it. For, I'm like, I'm like a long way down the line from this. It was a dramatized version that someone told me. About. Right. So, well, and the truth, the truth <laughs> is, is that when you're training to to work as a teller at a bank that you don't look at a bunch of counterfeits. You look at the real thing. Like that right. is just a standard mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, and so that that's really true. But um, so I guess I think your book is timely for the reasons that you just said, because I, I do think that there are a lot of very well-meaning Christians out there who maybe haven't been discipled um, to believe that who they are has to be rooted in Christ in order to be Mm -hmm. like of any meaning at all. But what would you say, what, what, what does that even mean though? So we'll, we'll say all the time we've been talking about identity, like your identity is based in who God is, not necessarily who you are, because, you know, God is always changing, hopefully sanctifying (laughs) who you are. Um, But what does it mean to base your identity in Christ? Um, I guess I would say that it is a huge subject. So I would say the first thing is to recognize that mankind, that all of humanity, that we were made to be worshipers, like that we will not ever be complete, like, or uh, fulfilled, or like without that right relationship with God, without us being worshipers, like, we will always be longing for something, you know, like there, yeah. because we were created for that. We cannot, um, we cannot live without it, you know? And, and so without God in that place, we're always searching, you know, like we're, it will just always be searching for that. So I would say you're having your identity in Christ is a way of saying 
be what you were made to be. You know, like, like live to your own full potential by being what you were created for. You know, like, so I would say that. After that, I would say there's a lot of ways to say your identity as a, as a Christian is in Christ's righteousness. You know, like, now your identity is in, in His holiness, not in your sin anymore. You know, like, you've right. been taken out of this. So there's a lot of different ways, I would say, your identity is in Christ, um, depending on how you're, depending on what you're actually counseling someone about. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Does that well, make sense? Yes. I it's, do... like you're, it's all of your existence is in Christ in that way, that he is, you know, you're sustained by his word, like we're created for this. Uh, and to act like we got here any other way is just a really bizarre kind of arrogance. Yeah. Well, and I think too, we're, we're stealing from, you said the word self-actualized a second ago. Mm -hmm. And so I think people Mm -hmm. now view their identity as this thing that's like constantly building. It is their purpose. It's your purpose to create, find out who you are, who you are. Yeah. But as a Christian, Mm -hmm. your identity is already actualized. Right. You already are that person. Right. Well, I mean, you're saying you are, to the case. I also think I also think you're rooted in an unchanging God, right. which is what makes it completely safe for us to change. Like, right. and that's what that's what's so interesting is that we do change. You know, like right. we go through all kinds of changes, and just uh, age. You know, like that's going to happen. Becoming a mother, mm-hmm. you know, becoming a grandmother, losing a spouse. Um, we will be changing all the time. But having your identity fixed in Christ is a way of of being fearless about that change. Because yeah. if your whole point is to worship God, to reflect His glory, you know, to be constantly reflecting Him, then it doesn't, like, your own changing life does not, it gives you more opportunities to glorify Him, not, and it's not threatening you in any way. Right. But if you thought, I spent 10 years, you know, crafting this version of myself, and now it's just all out the window because of some random circumstance. You know, people get, um, it's like total despair. Yeah. You know, if you think like, oh, I had, you know, and it, it happens. You know, you might have your whole identity wrapped up in your uh, career pursuits or something and then lose your job, or you have your whole identity in your um, physical fitness and get in a car accident. You know what I mean? Those things, it's like people can get seriously derailed from what they thought was their life plan. And it happens all the time. Uh, but if your whole purpose is to glorify God, then every time something like that happens, you know he is equipping you further to be who he meant you to be. And and never like, never a thing of like now, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is people often get in this weird cycle of, but the Bible says that God loves me, you know, and if he loves me, he would never do this to me because this has destroyed me. Right. You know, like this destroyed me. And if he loved me, he would not destroy me. But the problem there is not what the problem is assuming you ever knew who you were, you know, like, (laughs) like that you could say he destroyed me as though I was a fixed thing that God messed with. Right. Right. Instead of God is further equipping me to glorify him even though this is an additional hardship for me right now, like that I know that I am more who I'm supposed to be today than I was yesterday. Right. And that's, and that's such a relief on the one hand, 
And on the other hand, it's a real responsibility for a Christian, you know, to say, like, this is how we're going to go forward. Like a whole bunch of no-nonsense tough people is what that comes down to. You know, like, like it's like we will meet challenges intent on glorifying God in it and not not being fearful in that way. Right. So, yes. Yeah, that's true. And that's a that's a hard um it's kind of it's you can't sound bite what we're saying. Um I know there's all kinds of great quotes out there that you can pull from great theologians who can put things very short and pithy and and well. But what I'm finding is, is that when I'm having these discussions online, it is so much easier to just say, "Well, I reject this this thing that you're saying because I know that God loves me. Um, And so Mm -hmm. there's an element of even having a difficult time defining our terms. Well, when I say God loves me, that means that I believe that when I am in the car accident and I lose my physical fitness, that that was God's love towards me. Um, And so there's a, there's a a definitional problem um, in these, conversations that's just not easy to have online um which is another reason why i'm I'm really glad that you wrote the book um and why we should also be very invested in our local churches but um you said something and i I hear you talk about this a lot and i I want you to just give me all your thoughts on this because it's i think it's so important you said that a lot of times um we we were made to worship so we are always Mm -hmm. we are always worshiping um, but you, insi- mm-hmm. you insinuated that the problem is, is that sometimes we aren't worshiping rightly. How can we, how can you tell? Like when, what would be a cue in your own life or that you've seen someone else go through to realize that they're worshiping the wrong thing? Um, well, when I, I guess, I feel like this whole subject, it is a thing. You're talking about people. Like when you talk about identity, we're talking about all of the people in all of the world with all of their problems. Right. <laughs> like, the yeah. This is very large. <laughs> like, I feel like we could go any direction with this and it will connect to identity. You know, what I mean? you're like, oh, yeah, well, that connects there or um, this here. But I would say the kinds of things that you see is like uh, really common issues women um, stressing out about their own, like, like their body aging or stressing out about. Um, you know, like, it's like, well, what, what do you worship if this is so threatening to you? You know what I mean? Like, if this right. is such a threatening thing, uh, what is it actually threatening? You know, like, what, it, why is, you know, like, what's going on here? Um, and I think that this is what's happening. Like, you know, you're standing in line at the grocery store and you see the Cosmo headlines, you know, whatever it is that they're always coming up with. They're always trying to help us be worthy of worship. You know what I mean? Like, it's not trying to equip us to worship God better. Obviously, Cosmo is not doing that. Um, <laughs> right. But they're always trying to say, you know, how to blow his mind or how to be. <laughs> but yeah. it's always about how to be some superlative something that is worthy of worship. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. how to be an incredible bombshell. Right. Like, right. And obviously with Cosmo, it's typically sexual. Like that's what they're right. going for is yeah. how to be right. uh, that way. But in all kinds of places in the world, we are offered those, those little hooks. that's like, if you just do, you know, 
fitness is a big one. And like beauty, obviously, is a big one. But, but there's a lot of that in intellectual circles and in other places. So, you know, it's just how to be worthy of more than you are worthy of. You right. know what I mean? like, yeah. how, and I think, I think, and I do talk about this some in the book, is I feel like this is the result of the struggle where we know ourselves too well to think that we're worthy of worship. We know right. our own failings. Yeah. And it is, it's like we're too proud to worship ourselves, knowing the problems we have. So we end up swinging between this desperation for worship, you know, and then, and then, you know, it's like this weird, we can't be like, we're made to be a worshiper, but we're trying to be worshiped, you know, and so right. it just becomes a very complex, very complex situation where you're like, I hate myself. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Where people are swinging between like complete self-loathing, but then complete self-obsession at the same time. It's like yeah. a very weird Yes. Problem. <laughs> um, and all of that is what I think was, is solved by saying, yes, be on your knees, but be on your knees in front of God, not in front of you. You know what I mean? Like, right. if you try, you know, when you see um, people trying to, I mean, now it's a thing because we're like on the pendulum back from all the skinny models, you know, where everyone's like yeah. worried about healthy body image. Like they're trying to signal virtue by having fat models. Right. Yes. You know, like, yes, that is, we're, we're better than, we're better than the rest of you. We have a fatter lady dancing around in her underwear, which is right. so funny to me. Right. The whole thing is hilarious. Yes. But the idea uh, with that is that we're going to fix this problem by helping people accept their realer bodies. You know what I mean? Like we'll fix this right. problem with uh, self-loathing and all of this. Um, because right. they think they can fix it through education, really. You know, like we'll, we'll fix this, but it is, but the problem is a problem of a worshiper without a God. Right. You know, like the problem is just this hunger for something, you know, and it, and it, it seriously does connect to like, I think identity issues connects to almost everything. You know, it just seems like everywhere you go, there's people having people problems. Yes, so, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> like, oh, look, there's more of them. There's more identity issues. So I get, you know, I guess I would just say, I see it all the time in people who are like, I never thought my life would be like this, or I'm just really depressed because um, sometimes it's those funny things like I'm an introvert. So having kids is being really hard for me. Like this is like a, you know, when they think it's like a non-thriving situation that they got into because they know who they are. And this is hard for that. You know what I mean by yes, that? Like, yeah. Yes. I am the sixth person who can't thrive in the situation that God gave me right instead of taking that as apparently I need to be a different kind of a person since right. God put me here well <laughs> right. that like, takes more work but it is also so much more joyful and rewarding because that's how you be in the right place before your God you know like and it is a really that's what people thrive on Right. You know, like that's that's the happiest, most joy filled, wonderful, purposeful place to be. So it's not just a high and lonely calling. You know, it's not just like right. shoot, that's hard. It's also the best place to be. So Right. You know. I'm not well, just calling people to do something worse. Right. <laughs> right. Well, it's an agreement with our design. 
like you it's actually really hard to try to be a god because you will never be able to be one right (laughs) Right. (laughs) well or when you manage like what horrible horrible fickle gods we are right you know like like we change our mind all the time right you know we're like that doesn't make me happy anymore right Right. we're it's it's an awful awful god to serve right Right. I think I have my new favorite quote, though. Everywhere you go, there's people having people problems. Right. <laughs> like, that is, yeah. is my new well, favorite. it's true. It's so, but it's just so true. It's like, yes. you, know, you can't. Um, I In writing the book, I felt like you can go so many different directions uh, to try to see, oh, where did this problem come from? Or how are we influenced this way? And in, in the end, it doesn't matter because it goes all the way back to just the fall. Do you know what I mean? Like, Right. We're not in a right relationship with our God. And because of that, we're just trying every different possible thing. Right. You know? And I think that Sartre got more, for bizarre reasons, more momentum behind his philosophy at the time than really he had any right to have. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's bizarre that he was as influential as he was. But right. I think that's probably the most influential but it really is actually the case that, you know, as long as there have been humans, we've been having our identity issues. Right. You know, like, just, <laughs> just what we do. Right. What since we've been doing all along. Since ground zero. Um, so what would you say to, so the scenario that you brought up, but it could, it could go any different ways. Let's say there's an extroverted mom who has a lot of kids but doesn't get out as much as she used to doesn't get to hang out with other people or go out and do things because she's got a lot of kids um how i don't know anyone like that (laughs) (laughs) how do you right right the joke i do i know (laughs) i know um what would how would you disciple that woman in that moment who's feeling that way i'm you know i really like Lot, I guess lots of different ways. You like, I had to write a book on it apparently because I have too many opinions on it. <laughs> if, it if it is like um, I'm feeling like I can't be fulfilled this way, is that what you mean? Like I can't thrive like this? Yes. Because if it's just a simple, uh, I would really like to have a hot minute to think. You know what I mean? Like I just need to get out. You know, like if you're looking for something that's a very practical thing, like this would be nice. This would equip me to get back to my work. That's right. a completely different genre of thing than the, like, I'm despairing because I don't like my life sure. right now because, you know, like, and so I'm not trying to say that I have a problem. Um, you know, like I have a problem with everyone who ever thought of something that would be nice to do. You well, know, right, like, right. Like, <laughs> you can't get out of the house. What are you thinking? You know, like, I don't have any problem like that. Right. But when it is a foundational thing, it really is just like, you need to look to Christ. You need to look to obey. You need to be your most obedient self. You know what I mean? Like, in right. all the ways that you can obey. And the reality is, most of the time, the reason someone's talking about that is because they are being uh, grumbling. They're discontent. They don't feel like doing some work that is clearly theirs to do. You know, like something that they just don't want to do. And so they're kind of, you know, talking about the bigger issues instead of digging in and doing it. Right. Um, I would just say, 
the important thing to know for a Christian is that your most the most obedient version of you is your truest self. Like, and that that is so counter our own like popular narrative where right. we think follow your heart, you know, do to be really who you are means to pursue your own dreams. Right. And, you know, it means if you want to do something, you've got to just get out there and make it happen. And like, that's our narrative in all of our books and all of our uh, shows and everything is this idea that fucking the system and following your own heart is that is the path to really finding you and joy and satisfaction. You know, like, that's what we tell each other all the time, that this is how right. you really follow your heart. But for a Christian, the right approach is actually, how do I glorify God today where I am in my obedience? And that that is the path to your truest self. Right. The reason is, I kind of have to back up and give you the, the reasoning, I think that this is actually biblically accurate, is that we are made in the image of God. We are made to reflect Him, and we're made in His image. And we also know from Scripture that what we worship, we become like. You know, that people become like their idols. Right. You know, like right. uh, in the Psalms that, you know, becoming blind like their idols. Can be de- you know, like all yeah. of that kind of what we worship, we become like. But we're made in the image of God, which means as we worship God, we become more and more like Him, which is becoming more and more our true self, like right. what we were made to be. Right. And it's not about your situation. It's not about following your heart. Like, your truest, most fulfilled life is your most obedient life. Right. Like, your every day, your most obedient day is your, is your truest self. You know, like, so that is, and I don't mean obedient in, like, a subservient way, like, go obey everywhere. I'm talking about obey God. You know, do your duty, glorify God, enjoy Him, and that is the fullest, fullest path to becoming uh, your your best self. You know, right. Like your best self is your most obedient self. And that is just something that I my guess is for many Christians, that's when you realize, like, wait, what is it that I believe? Because you don't believe that probably. You right. know what I mean? Like, there's some kind of, like, wait, where did I, what do I think that me being my most obedient, uh, like, if I'm at home just thinking, how can I glorify God today, do everything I can for him today, uh, you know, such that I know he would say, well done. You know what I mean? Like, like, good job today. What do I think that would make me? And this is what I think reveals our crazy idolatry of ourselves, which is that most of us think that would make us something boring. Right. You know, like, right. like if I'm being radically obedient, then I'm just nothing to look at. I'm just like so many other boring people. You know, like we think that following our heart is some kind of unique, but it just isn't. You know, like right. worshiping God, honoring Him is this calling to a very unique, very personal identity that is uh, really, truly satisfied in God. Right. And I think that, that that's just a thing where it's like, I don't know all the things that went into it that we so overwhelmingly don't believe that. Right. You know, like we just, we just don't. It's like, it's like you have to think about it. Like maybe, what do I think? You know, like how, like, right. I don't know. I just think that that's the big ticket. And so for most of the time, if I was actually discipling a mom in any situation or a woman 
who's like, I just don't feel like I'm being all that I can be. I would just be like, all right, well, let's think about what's the disobedience in your life. You're like, what's the thing that you're not doing that you should be doing? Right. Um, and often, most of the time, there's something, you know, like there's something that's like, I just don't feel like having to deal with my toddler and having to discipline this child. You know, and it's like, well, did God call you to that? <laughs> like, right. did he say, bring this child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Yes, he absolutely did say that. To stop complaining and start doing what he told you to do, and you will have joy. Right. Like, it will be there. <laughs> right. So, don't merciless. I'm not saying don't go out for coffee, ever. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not what I mean. I just mean, don't think that you'll find some solution to yourself that way. Right. Uh, and I think, I think we all can relate to this, that, like, self-indulgence does not ever make us feel better. No. You know, like, do you ever get out of the house and just like, oh, I can't take it anymore, and you just get out of the house. and uh, You know, it's, it's not like you come back totally refreshed from that or deciding to just, you know, veg out looking on your phone somewhere to have a break. You never come back from that feeling really ready to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. It, it doesn't equip you for anything. No. It's just self-indulgence yes. that tends to kind of do the opposite of equipping you. Right. Like bringing you further away from joy in your work. Right. Right. So how, how would you tell someone to take a break that would prepare them to go back to work? What does that look like? I think, well, I think a lot of it is just the, is just the mindset of that. That's what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like if that's the plan, if you're not taking a break, if you're thinking, I want to be, you know, like I want to be equipped to be a really, you know, engaged and great mom, you know, tomorrow. So I'm going to go out tonight to be refreshed with friends. You're not going to do that by complaining about your husband to a friend. Right. You know what I mean? Like if, if your goal is to glorify God, you're not going to go take a break to get ready to glorify God by sinning. You right. know, like right. you don't do that. But <laughs> right. if your goal is to glorify God, you can sit down in total gratitude with a cup of coffee or a fun book or talk to a friend that actually sharpens you and you know i mean like there's tons of things that are both uh re-energizing and encouraging and still glorifying god right even in our even in our rest you know but if you think like you know what i'll do because i really want to be a godly mom tomorrow i'm going to stay up until one in the morning binge watching a dirty show tonight (laughs) like that doesn't happen right 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 that does happen that happens all the time in life that people make that excuse for that's why they're doing this behavior. Right. You know, like they would say, oh, I just, you know, I worked so hard today. I just need some time for me. Right. You know. Right. But then what they're really doing is, you know, watching Breaking Bad or something that's in no way equipping them for anything. Right. Um, and, like, you know, if your goal is to glorify God, your, your rest to do so more and more should also be glorifying. Should right. also be um, it should fit in. You know what I mean? It's not like alternate lives. Right. Like, right. This makes sense that I'm enjoying him and I can thank him for this and this provision. And um, I don't know. I guess I would say there's a big spectrum. I did things like knitting or cooking or, you know, like there's lots of things, but that those were things are, are still completely fully in subjection to God and wanting to glorify him. It was not like a... It was not like I'd like to tap out of my Christian life. 
right. for a minute <laughs> right. to be to be equipped better. Right. Know. I don't know. Right. Does that now, make sense? Yeah. And well, and because I think that is that is the advice. I mean, I, I have read that recently coming from people who claim to be Christians saying, you know, if you're having a hard time, instead of um, fulfilling all of the obligations that you have committed to go take your dog (laughs) go take a dog for a walk that'll make you feel better and I'm reading it and I'm going what on earth is happening right now why right why number one is it okay for you to go back on your commitments just because you don't feel like it and number two (laughs) um you're not glorifying God or getting any kind of rest when you are uh, making, you know, not making your yes a yes and you're shirking your responsibility yeah, to, you're, to walk your dog. You're actually disobeying. Right. Active disobedience is not going to bring you any kind of resolution. No, <laughs> no, it's, ter- it's and, and, you know, the thing is, is I, I just think that well-meaning Christians have not been discipled well enough to see through that kind of garbage because we are in a culture right. that is so saturated by the self-help principle of be your best self mm-hmm. now. And your best self means fulfilling all of your desires and essentially worshiping, finding exalt a way to self. worship, exalt and worship exalt yourself. Self, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Take a break from totally. obedience. Yeah, take a break exalt, from that obedience. But though, you don't have to, you don't have to take a break from obedience to take a break. Right. You know, right. And I think that I think that, that reveals a lot. It's just another kind of way we are lying about God. You yeah. know, to think that He's giving us a less than when He tells us to obey Him. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. Like, well, He just doesn't want us to have any fun. Right. You know, like <laughs> He just doesn't want God me to be God. <laughs> he's just so controlling. He's just so controlling. And you think, you know, but the the reality is that everything your heart could ever desire can be found in obedience to Christ. Right. And like why you think if you just chase your heart, it's like you won't get any of it off. Right. So like none of it. Right. <laughs> you are not gonna get it. And and it is the reality is that for many people they they think about this idea and they won't it's that who is it that said this? I feel like it was Chesterton, but I may be wrong. That thing about Christianity has not been found uh, or has not been tried and found wanting. Yes. It's been found hard and not tried or whatever some version <laughs> yeah. of that. Like, right. Where, where it's basically, it's not that we tried this life and found it was not joyful and rewarding. It's that we're not trying it in anticipation of what we think it might be like. Right. Like, it's not like, you know what, I'm going to give this a real try and I'm going to, you know, it's not like it, nobody's testing it. They're just saying if I was being obedient, I would not have any fun. Right. You know, like, <laughs> right. Right. It's like, I don't know. I think you would find out some good news about obedience if you tried it. You know, like if right. you tried that, it would turn out that obedience is a way better place to be. Like, right. This is much better. Right. Uh, but it's true that in the midst of all of our cultural encouragement to, you know, do what blesses you the most, um, <laughs> it can be hard for people to even get their even get their thoughts in order about what obedience in their own life would look like. You know, like right. what would be different in my life if I was being obedient. Um, so it's a journey, it's a long journey to un- unpeel back the things we've been taught and and um, 
you know, the ways we've been lied to. Yeah. And pursue Christ in spite of what you think better advice is. Right. Well, <laughs> and it's, like, al- it's almost like saying, sorry, it's almost like saying that, you know, I'm wiser. Like I know what's going to make me the most happy. Um, and it's mm-hmm. really questioning like, well, no, this is what God has said is going to bring you the fullest joy because in Christ is the fullness mm-hmm. of joy, not in you, not in your break, not in your disobedience. Um, so that is, right. a, that's a really big heart check, I think for all of us. It is. It is. And I, I, there is a part in the book where I talk about this, but like, we don't have a problem saying it's that Psalm, uh, that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And that, uh, thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Like, would any of us say that we don't want a life of purpose, joy, and pleasure? <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, when you're like, no, I don't want fullness of joy. Count I just out. want the counterfeit. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but it's so funny to say pleasure forevermore. You know, right. like the path of life, like clear purpose and understanding, uh, like pleasure forevermore. You know, and you think, would any of us be like fullness of joy? No, thanks. You know, <laughs> pleasures, right. therefore them, don't want purpose. Like, just don't put me in on this on this round. You know, you think that nobody would say that. That's what we all say we're pursuing. Right. You know, like, that's what the whole world is like. You're just trying to find your, you know, what makes you feel the most fulfilled. It's like, yeah, where's your fullness of joy? Right. You know? What is, where are the pleasures? What are the things that you most enjoy doing? And, you know, and it's all that, it's all that kind of thing. We know that humans want that. Like, that's like, that's not even a, an argued, that's not like something people disagree on. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, right. humans thrive on those things. But the way that God calls us to do that is to glorify him all the time. You know, and I, and I think that this is the thing, you know, the scriptural commands to uh, whatever you do, you know, whether you eat or drink or you all do all things to the glory of God. You know, you think eat or drink, you know, like that's pretty, pretty low level. It's pretty basic. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. You know, it, it's kind of like sneeze to the glory of God. Like you think, wow, <laughs> like why does God want the glory from that? Like, is there glory there? I don't see glory there. And the, and the thing that I think is so wonderful about this is that where we tend to see it as like God is demanding so much of us, like that would be so hard to be eating and drinking to his glory and be, you know, right. putting your kids' shoes on to his glory and doing this. We're like, man, that's grabby of God. This, you know, That's what the human heart thinks. Is this is right. God asking me to give him everything. But what he says in, in that Psalm, when it says, um, that will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. It's a way of saying, live your life all the time in the presence of God which is in the fullness of joy. And, you know, like that there are pleasures here forevermore. Like, and if you're making yourself a cup of coffee to the glory of God, that means you are in the presence of God and in the fullness of joy. Right. You know, like that this is nothing important. And yet it is full of joy for me. (laughs) Right. There's nothing, there's nothing here that's really magnificent except what God is doing in it. Right. You know, like, except the fact that when I am doing this to his glory, I have a, a very full heart. Right. <laughs> like, right. This is a wonderful thing. And it is not, it's not a call to like a super drab life of bondage. You know right. I mean? Like it is, it is a call to something more glorious than you can actually imagine. 
Right. Like, you, and, and we're like, ah, I don't know. Help me out. You know, this is, this is tough. <laughs> not tough, guys. Better. Right. Better. Right. <laughs> Amen to that. Follow your own heart. That's right. You know, like, you want all the, all the bad news. You remember that Babylon Bee headline of, it's like Adam and Eve. I love this one. It's like, it's just one of my favorites. It's just Adam and Eve, some old illustration that says, couple follows their hearts. Billions dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So accurate. Like, follow your heart to what? Right. You're like, where, right. what is the destination here? Right. What's the uh, end goal? Yeah. I think it's so tragic when Christians are the ones who are not paying attention to this. You know, like, this is the tragedy in the world with people lost because they don't know what they're for or where they belong or who they're supposed to be glorifying. When Christians can't remember it, it's the worst of all. You know, it's like you right. you know only some of the truth, but you are not living the life that you should be living. Right. Because, you know, you have not gotten um, past some of the real basics. You know, it's like you, right. need to, you need to go back to the very first assumptions and think about what you're supposed to be doing. That's right. Amen. Well, yeah. okay. Joy has one last question for you before we let you go. All right. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So Sheologian starts out our shows with, compliments so you also have a podcast and a beautiful co-host as we would call it so my question (laughs) is what is your favorite thing about your sister my favorite thing about my sister Mm -hmm. wow that's hard because I can't say I couldn't possibly pin it down to my favorite thing what's something you love about her because I guess we don't say our favorite thing about each other one of my most recent things that I enjoyed was actually our last podcast where we got together and we were both really tired. So we were in the car, like so tired and <laughs> we're like, this is not going to go anywhere good. You know, like we're <laughs> been there. Yeah. Know that one. <laughs> How are we going to get out any kind of enthusiasm about anything? And then we started the podcast, not even sure what we were going to talk about, but veered veered immediately into the patriarch because of the Bible reading challenge. Right. Because I, this is now the time of year I associate it like, you know, pumpkin spice, like stew and the time when we all argue about the patriarch. Like it's what we do in the fall. <laughs> what it feels like. Right. Everywhere you go, everyone's arguing about the patriarch. That's right. That's right. Um, I love it. But anyways, we started talking about this and we zoomed up we talked for a full hour about the patriarch <laughs> and we were both super energized <laughs> by the end of this conversation. We were like, yes. And then, you know, I, we, we wrapped it up, but we were dying that we had not meant to do that, that we were tired that we zoomed ourselves up in a patriarch discussion. And then even today, when I called her about something, we were immediately talking about it again, about one other thing I thought of one other thing. So I would say that, my favorite thing about her is that is having someone close to me who we have so much in common, even though we're very different people, but so much in common. Uh, but primarily, it, I would say it is our, our faith in common that I'm not ever trying to bring her along anywhere. And she's not trying to bring me along. It's like a very, um, it, it, that is a really sweet thing, you right. know, to just know, to trust each other's faith, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's a sweet thing. That, that all makes so, yeah, sense. Plus, she's funny. 
She is funny. (laughs) And I know how much you guys up in Moscow, you're just all about that patriarchy. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. (laughs) But it's not the patriarchy. That's the thing that's funny. Mostly what we were fighting about the other day was people thinking Rebecca was in sin to lie to Jacob. You know, I saw some of your... Yeah, I saw some of your commentary on that in the uh, Bible reading challenge group, which was fascinating. That's what I mean. We're arguing about the patriarchy everywhere we go. Yeah. we're like those. Well, I should have said it wasn't the patriarchs; it was the holy women of old. You know, right? So that's who we were arguing about, right? But, but yes. So plug, anyways, um, pl- so. plug that. Where can we plug the Bible reading challenge and tell people where they can get your book? Um, my book will be through Canon Press, um, and I assume that you'll have a link by the time this comes out. You betcha! You I betcha! I will. Um, so that's through Canon Press, and then the Bible reading challenge is. Uh, on it is christchurch.com slash bible challenge um but there's also facebook groups and other things but that is just a really fun worldwide community of people reading the bible together i love it occasionally arguing about patriarchy yes (laughs) it's super fun the conversation when we're going through interesting uh sections of the old testament is really really enjoyable so I, and are there any drab sections of the old testament like you know no not really no even the it, um it stays pretty hot yeah through the old testament. you gotta get through yeah. you gotta get through the genealogies um they're not they can they are fascinating um if you read them in context i think that's a whole other episode what am i doing rachel thank you so much <laughs> thank you so much for joining See? us i know i know that i know that we could which is why i'm trying to stop myself <laughs> <laughs> um but seriously well, i i loved the book and i i cannot recommend it enough and um I'm just so thankful that you came and talked to us about it and that you took the time to write it. I know you're very busy. Um, so we appreciate that. And we're going to have you on with any book that you write ever. So oh, wow. keep writing. What a treat. Anytime I want to get on, you'll know. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Send yep. me a PDF and I'll be like, all right, yeah. let's schedule it. <laughs> get, me, get me on the show. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, yep. ma'am. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. Rachel's always fun. I uh, I love my my Moscow crew. I know my Moscow friends. Yeah, they get they're like up. the cooler version of us. <laughs> they are. Yes, they're the way smarter version, or at least of me. Maybe you and what are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe you and Rachel and Rebecca are <laughs> the cooler version. Of why am I saying that? You're no, you have to stop because you're I I you're a way better writer than I am. What? Yes. You just don't write. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I it's because all my time is spent writing emails. You guys, if you want to read Joy's writing, no, I'm not gonna do that to you. Nope. Anyway, you had a fun question. <laughs> right? You have a fun question? Is that what we're doing now? Well, but I asked it to Rachel a second ago when we were doing the interview oh, with her. Right. <laughs> so now I have to answer the question? Um, no. It was specifically just for her. <laughs> Why don't I get it to answer like the you, question? It's, 
seems to all our listeners, it would seem like you already would know the question because it would seem like you we already did the interview. But the thing is, is that we had to record these bumpers separately from the interview. So, so what was the question? I can think of a question. Give me you. a fun question. Remember when we used to do that? Like it was. How really... do you feel about people that get in the shower and then turn the water on? Do you do that? Okay, so here's what happened. What's your face? Why did do you do that? Okay. So. Oh here's, no! Here's the... I take back what I said about you being cooler. Here's the thing. Just kidding. Is that um, I. Until I was like 23, it actually never occurred to me that you could turn the shower on first and then get it. I had to have someone tell me, like, because I was complaining. I was like, I hate that moment. When you get in the shower. It's just like cold for you, a second. And you have to like duck and wait for it to warm up. And they looked at me the way that you just looked at me and they were like, why don't you just turn the shower on before you get in? And it's because how I grew up was like, you don't waste water. You don't leave the refrigerator door open. Right. You don't leave lights on. Like I'm so aware of any kind of water or electrical waste. That for like 23 years, I just. It wasn't even an option for you. Got hurt. Which actually, I think, excludes you from the people that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Like, there are people that are like, no, this is how it's done. I know of the other option. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. But not. this is how you do it. It had never occurred to me, ever. Like, it was like, don't waste water. You don't leave water on. You don't leave lights on. You don't leave the fridge open. Yeah, my, um, my stepdad installed a, uh, like a motion sensor light uh-huh. in our bathroom because we slash I, <laughs> mainly I, would leave the bathroom light on all the time. How dare you? And so the only thing is that when you're in the shower behind a shower curtain <laughs> and you've been in there for a while, right? the light goes off. Right. So my... So that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. So you have to like wave your arm out of the shower and get it to turn back on. Got it. Okay. Well, that makes... Okay. That makes sense. So, um, now we I didn't even know this was going to happen. Now you learned something about me because I remember the moment that somebody said to me, why don't you do it this way? I remember just staring at them like my mouth slightly open, like, oh, oh, wow, <laughs> that makes sense. And I just had never thought about but it. But now you it. do it. <gasps> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. You guys. I can't do it. I just, okay. but here's the thing is because I, for so many years, just like, you know, ducked and hid. Right. So like you can turn the water on and not get hit by it. And I spent many years perfecting. You're like, I know. <laughs> that art. I know about it. So like, it's just in, like, I can't. You know what? I change my opinion. You you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's I me. want everyone to try that the next time. I'll try, try it. it. Try it. Yeah, yeah. Just see how it works. Right. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I survived. It's just one of those weird things that, yeah. for the sake of the show, I just decided to have like a really strong opinion on. But right, if you think about it, no, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense, and 
I'm just never going to change. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, it's guys. It's not sin. It's not sin. <laughs> it's, not, so, it's not a sin. So Liberty. <laughs> let me duck in the shower. It's lawful and profitable, guys. Stop. That's what Summer's saying. Stop judging me. <laughs> and buy Rachel's book. And we will see you next week. Yeah.